you that know me well know I'm a little quirky or a whole lot. My preaching sometimes different. I often think in odd ways. So, all right, we'll just cut to the chase. I'm weird. All right, we'll get that settled. And then, so from the outset, I'm going to tell you this is going to be, for even me, a very different sermon. If you want to call it a sermon for a Sunday morning, I don't expect a whole lot of amens and shouting and hanging from the chandeliers, whatever the Pentecostal lingo is. I have no idea what the altar appeal will look like. I'm just telling you so you can just relax and listen, adjust your expectations, and hear me out. Because of what I have to tell you today, I believe the Lord has dropped in my spirit. And once you or someone, someone online, I don't know who you may be, maybe all of us to hear. Okay? Is that fair? So here we go. Drove past the school the other day, and on the marquee it said, wear mask, wash hands, social distance. You've heard it. You've seen the signs. You've obeyed them even in this church. You, we, we follow the protocol. But as I read those, something just kind of hit me in my spirit. And yes, we need to be careful and do our part in the physical. And I will come from the outset. This is not a political speech. This is not. So we're not wearing masks here. That's nothing like that. We're following protocol of, of St. Louis County. We think we need to do that. And so that, that's uh, so get that to the side. So let's go something different uh, in this. I, I want to speak more than just in the physical, though. But let's talk about something in the emotional or in the social, or in the mental, and then, yes, even in the spiritual. How many of you have ever heard a sermon, or at least some part of the sermon, where the person teaching or preaching will say something to the fact of, take off your mask, be real in the face of God, and lay those facades down. And sure, we have heard that type of preaching, and it's still right, that type of preaching. Of course, physically, we, we need to follow the protocol. The question I ask is, has this physical permeated into our spirit somehow? Wash hands, yes. We've always been encouraged to wash our hands to remove the germs. Wear a mask, and wash hands, and social distance. Again, it speaks of even more isolation wash your hands of people don't reach out to people don't give them a chance to make you sick or infect you and don't don't be involved with anything they're involved in don't even touch what others have touched has this rule somehow this mandate Somehow given us an out as the apostolic church. We don't have to get involved with other people because that's their problem. And I have my own problem. Then the hammer really drops. Social distance. Stay away. Isolate. Unclean. As if it were. Don't come near. This is not at all how we should go about this. But somehow in the physical it has filtered down into our spirit. The longer this wears on, the check in my spirit that came while reading that marquee 
we're talking and we're taking this to so many different levels. Are we wearing a mask when it comes to being authentic with God and with others? Are we washing our hands of people in situations because our excuse is everything is different anyway and when we get back to normal, I'll change. Are we socially distancing so much that it's permeated our attitude that somehow we are so used to being isolated or quarantine or distance that that is just what we do. It's, it's not how it used to be and so why re- out and why try wear a mask wash your hands and social distance the great apostle Paul and yes he he was a great and powerful man of God he wrote things like this under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost Romans 8 37 nay in all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us that's telling me I'm an overcomer I can do this through Jesus who loves me 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And God's going to help me, that tells me. And he's going to plant me firmly and protect me. Paul also told the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 10, 4. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I'm given powerful weapons from God, and I can pull down strongholds through him. He told the church at Philippi in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made unknown unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That tells me I can pray. God is going to help me. God is going to give me peace. God will keep my heart and mind secure. He told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 7 for God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind God empowers me his perfect love casts out fear and I can have a sound mind through him a couple more Paul even tells again the church in Thessalonica 2 Thessalonians 3 16 now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means the Lord be with you all God gives peace to me God is with me. Philippians 4, 12, and 13. I know, Paul says, both how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then verse 13 kind of encapsulates all of this. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Amen. And that's the word, and I believe that. What confidence Paul exudes. What encouragement he gives to these churches, these individuals, and even us today. I can make it. I can have peace. God is with me. God will help me. God will strengthen me. I can overcome. I'm mighty with the strength of God. I have a clear hand and a clear mind and a clear heart. If you continue to put those types of words in your spirit, no wonder you're going to feel like Superman. And I reiterate, that's the word. I read it from the inspired word of God. I'm so thankful for those verses and for his word. And special thanks to the great apostle Paul 
for his sensitivity to the Spirit, for following the unction of the Holy Ghost, for writing those things and for believing those things and for living those things. Apostle Paul, in shipwreck, in prison, unlawfully accused, beaten, in chains, in poverty. Well, let me just read 2 Corinthians, starting at verse chapter 11, starting at verse 23. And these ministers of Christ, Paul says, I speak as a fool. I'm more. In labors, more often. In stripes, had my share of those. In prisons, more frequent. In the face of death, <laughs> quite often. The Jews, five times. I was beaten five times by these people, and each time I received 39 stripes. Thrice I was beaten with rods. One time I was stoned. Three times I happened to be on a boat, and it was shipwrecked. A night and a day out in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils by in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils false in, among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without he said, that which cometh upon me daily and just the care of all these churches that I'm trying to help. That was the Apostle Paul who wrote those powerful declarations and he went through all of those things. But no matter all of that, he still said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Wow. Let's be honest. <laughs> I'm a wimp. Wow, you hit me once with a whip and you're going down. Somebody's getting hurt and it ain't just going to be me. 39 stripes, five times, beaten with rods, shipwrecks. And I can do all things through. Wow. Did he have a different Holy Ghost? Wow. This last portion of scripture I just read from was written by Paul, of course, in 2 Corinthians. And we oftentimes focus on 1 Corinthians, the, the gifts of the Spirit and the, our holiness and the resurrection. But 2 Corinthians gives us a little more insight into this great apostle Paul's life. A little more, a better picture of who he was and really what he was made of. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul shares some personal experiences and some private thoughts. And we get a picture of some very re uh, real really a picture of a different uh, a guy or uh, coming from a different angle that the real difficulties of this man then there's this verse that just really kind of shows Paul was human it got really real for him one day and in 2 Corinthians 7 5 we're going to stay on this verse for a while as I expound on it Paul writes this for when we were in coming to Macedonia our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, and within were fears. Sounds like Paul was saying, I'm still trying to travel. 
I'm still trying to help these churches. I'm still trying to do the work of the Lord. I'm still trying to teach and preach and reach. But I was so tired. I was absolutely exhausted. But nothing would let up. Everywhere I looked was trouble. On every side, just fightings. And all of that triggered in me, or me I started to get a little fearful. <laughs> I wonder if Paul had lived through 2020 and continuing right on into 2021. Trouble everywhere. We're weary, fighting about everything. Offended over this, upset about that, just turmoil everywhere. And let's be honest, this has triggered sometimes some fear on the inside of us. Sure, we try to shield our children and youth, but they're no dummies. They, they can feel the tension and the anxiety. They can see the mask and the roped off pews and the uh, restaurants that are closed down. They know we as adults are confused about what's going on in our world. And it just escalates that in them. And then they exhibit it in so many different ways. And so let's go back and see if Paul has gives us some help here. He seemed to have it all together. God that gives him peace. What a great example. God that gives him a sound mind. God is with him. And God gives weapons and answers and power. And I can do all things through Christ. And this verse, sure enough, a different place and a different picture. Trouble everywhere. I was exhausted. I was wrung out. I was tired. I didn't know what to do or where to go. And I had fear on the inside of me. Then there is verse 6. Nevertheless, God. And he describes him, the God that comforts those that are cast down. The God that comforts those who are scared. The God that comforts those that looks around and there's trouble everywhere. That God. Nevertheless, that God, what did he do? He comforted. That's what he does. He's a God of comfort. That comforts us. And that's wonderful, Paul. I want you to pay very close attention to the next phrase. God comforted by the coming of Titus. Do you understand what this is saying? God did the comforting. God got the praise. But God used a person to do the comforting. God used his body here on earth to work through to bring the comfort to Paul. Titus, one of Paul's sons in the gospel, bold as a lion, maybe one day was sensitive to the voice of God and went and found Paul at just the right time. And God used Titus to comfort the great apostle Paul. If I ask you, what do you need to help you through this time in your life? What do you need to get to your destiny? 
What can you help get you up again and keep you going in this life? What can really fuel your ministry? You may say things like, well, more of God and more power and better planning and more resources and a clearer vision and more innovation and nothing wrong with any of that stuff. And yes, it's necessary in its place, but you may have missed something so important, so powerful that is right in front of us. You may not have mentioned your relationship with the body of Christ. Your relationship with the people of God. God can comfort you and God can help you. But let me be very honest, and you know this well, many, many times God will comfort you through his body, the church, your brothers and sisters to do just that. We all have needs and we must have them met. We have functional needs and we have relational needs. And for the most part, we get our functional needs met. And we are severely, however, deficient in our relational needs. And we are not an island. Relational needs are indispensable. Every significant thing in life starts with relationships, our influences, our family, our vocation, our calling, our church. These are things based on our love for God and our love for others. We cannot be ourselves and the best self when we are isolated and alone. We must have each other. We need people that energize us and motivate us and inspire us. God chose to use the needs we have to build and force us to build relationships that we need with one another. Ecclesiastes 4 tells us two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one can lift up the other. But woe to him. That is isolated, that's backed in the cave. Woe to him that's alone. For when he falleth, there's nobody there to help him up. Some days I need to help up. And other days I can give the help up. That's how we're made. The great apostle Paul, the I can do all things through Christ. Apostle Paul was fed up and worn out and scared. He was empty. He had nothing left to give. And around the corner comes Skip and Titus. Let's go to Starbucks. Around the corner comes Skip and Titus. Hey, I was just thinking about you, and I got a testimony for you. Around the corner, the cell phone goes off. Hey, you're on my mind. I thought we could get together sometime. Going out to the mailbox, and all there was was bills and problems from Thessalonica and Philippi and Colossae. And Titus wrote me a letter. And what does it say? God that comforts, comforted by Titus. You need to have a Titus in your life. And you need to be a Titus 
in someone's life. You may have fallen, but Titus can get you up. Because someday Titus is going to fall, but Paul can get him back up. This is no new thing. The Bible clearly describes we need each other. The musicians are coming. I told you I was a quirky. We volunteer less. Emily Smith, let me give her credit, from The Atlantic back in 2013. She describes our society today. She said, we, we volunteer less. We entertain guests at our home less. We're getting married less. We have fewer children. We have fewer and fewer close friends with whom we'd share the intimate details of our life. We're denying our social nature and paying a price for it. Over the same period of time, she continues, that social isolation has increased our levels of happiness have gone way down while rates of suicide and depression have multiplied. And I say this is not your typical Sunday morning's preaching. It somewhat sounds like more of a teaching component or a seminar of some sorts, but I, I wanted to deliver what I very strongly felt Jesus drop into my spirit to this great church. I want to read one last verse, John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if, if, what a strong little word, if you have love one to another. Everyone under the sound of my voice and watching online, we need each other. God made us that way. We're the body of Christ. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Socially distance. But only in the physical and only when it is absolutely necessary. Be a Titus to someone. Make up your mind this week. You're going to be a Titus to someone. Because you don't know who's down. You don't know where they are. Nevertheless, God who comforts comforted me by maybe one of you, by a friend, by someone. Be a Titus. Let's all stand. Again, I don't know what the altar is going to look like, but I just wanted to pour out my heart to you. And just say in this era of social distancing, please don't isolate yourself. We desperately need one another in this business.